Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. We started a new series. If you guys will go ahead and put that graphic up for me. A new series called Loving Each Other. So, Loving Each Other. This is the second week of that. And I want to kind of lay a foundation. I'm going to go back to this every single week. It kind of go over why the Lord pressed it upon my heart to even preach about this, to teach about this. So we see why in 1 John, I want you to see this. And let me kind of give you some history here. 1 John was written in about 89 to 100 AD. So the reason that that's significant was John, the Apostle John, he was the last living apostle at this time. When he wrote these letters, he was the last one. All the other apostles had been martyred. They had died throughout the years. And so now here's John. He's an old, old man. And he's writing this in the last stages of his life, uh, you know, as an old man. And this is what he says. So basically, I want you to kind of read this from this context. You know, people say important things on their deathbeds. Amen. When people are on their deathbeds, you know, people will be repenting. People will be calling up their children that they haven't talked to in 15 years and saying, I love you. I'm sorry. Right. Whenever somebody gets to the end of their life, it really seems like they start to figure out what actually matters in life. You guys with me? Have you ever experienced that or seen that? And so John, he's at the end of his life. And I can just imagine him. You know, he was a part of the church that had that had grown and had exploded over the years. And he still was alive and, and he still attended these things. So I can imagine, you know, these young people coming to John and asking him, you know what, John, you've lived this life. You, you walked with Jesus. And I also want you to kind of remember that as well. John was the last living person that had actually walked with Jesus in the flesh when he wrote this book. Everybody else that had seen Jesus physically with their eyes had already died or fallen asleep, the Bible says, and passed on. He was the last living one. So you can imagine this generation of Christians, these new Christians, this new church that had been birthed, and they're looking to this guy saying, hey, you actually saw him with your own eyes? You got to see his miracles? You got to live with him, eat with him, talk with him, you know, face to face for three years and they, they looked up to John like all of us would. And so they could come, they would come to John and ask John, you know, John, we want you to tell us or we, what we're missing. We want you to tell us what you feel like is the important things, right? Give us the deep revelations. Give us the deep things. And I, this is just so funny because you would think, right? John sits down and he says, okay, guys, let me sit you down. And he gets them all in a circle. And he says, all right, I'm going to tell you all what I've learned in 60 years in the ministry. Right? And he writes a book, 10, 10 Keys, how to, how to Build a Nice Church. He didn't say any of that. They all come to John, and they're expecting all of these things. They're expecting, you know, these really deep, profound things that we're all searching for, that we just know our answer is somewhere out there in the void or the abyss. And this is what John says. Look at verse 11 here. 1 John 3.11. It says, This is my message you have heard from the beginning, 
that we should love one another. Can you say love one another? This is my message, which you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. If you read this chapter in the next chapter, he just talks about how, how Christ has mandated that we love one another. Think that that's what he's talking about at the end of his life. He's not talking about spiritual gifts, right? John's not talking about the coming revival and the fire of God. And I'm not saying that none of that's important. It is important. But they're coming to him and they're asking him, John, what's the most important thing? Right? You walked with Jesus. You actually talked with Jesus. You heard him preach for three years. What, what is it that you have to say to us? And you know what he said? Love each other. Why would he say that? Why whenever, you know, his last letters that he's writing, why would he take the time to emphasize that? Because he knew Jesus firsthand and he knew the priority that it was to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So here's my point in all of this. Love is not some little thing that we should strive to do. It's the fundamental core of Christianity. Are y'all with me? Guys, I'm telling you, we kind of live in a generation right now. We can build big churches. We're spiritually gifted. We have all this wisdom and knowledge and revelation, but we're failing in this area. We Christians are loving each other. Amen. Amen. So this is why the Lord pressed this upon my heart. I want to give you a quick review uh, of last week. So these were our points last week. Number one, love is our highest focus. If you missed last week, you can write this down. Love is our highest focus. There was actually a person that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, out of all the law, what's the most important thing? And I think that this is interesting, right? Jesus didn't say, well, you know what, son, that's a stupid question because it's all important and it's all equally important. Well, we know the word of God is all of it's important, but he actually answered that question. So I don't know about y'all, but as a Christian, when Jesus is answering the question, this is the most important thing, I'm going to take me a highlighter and I'm going to circle it once. Then I'm going to take me a pink highlighter. And I'm going to circle it again. Then I'm going to give me a green highlighter. And I'm going to you know, circle that page because I'm going to make sure the guy, right? Would anybody agree that Jesus is a pretty important character in the Christian religion? Yeah. I would think so. And he's saying this is the most important thing. So they said, Jesus, what's the most important law? He said, number one, you should love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your strength. And he said, number two, love your neighbor. And he actually said, number two is equally as important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, love. love. So as a Christian, love is my highest focus. We had talked about this. Your calling's important. But I don't know everybody, they're running around trying to figure out What's my calling? What's my anointing? What's my spiritual gift? You know, I could prove it to you. I guarantee you right now that if there was a conference running in Dallas called the Power Conference, the Gift Conference, you would have that sucker packed out to the brim because everybody wants the power and they want the gifts and they want the anointing and they want all of that stuff. But throw a conference that's called the Love Conference, right? What you might have like seven and a half people show up. And they, you know, the hippie people with the flip-flops and, oh yeah, let's go to the love conference. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to do that, but we're completely missing it because Jesus actually said it's the most important thing. Amen. So your gift is important. Your calling is important. Your, everything that, all of that stuff is absolutely important, but love is the highest focus. 
Can you say amen? amen? Number two, love is the New Testament command. So this is so amazing. I'll just quickly touch on this. The Bible teaches us that we are no longer under the law of Moses. Let me ask, is my mic cutting in and out at all? No. We are no longer under the law of Moses. The Bible says now as New Testament believers, we're actually under the law of Christ. Can you say the law of Christ? The law of Christ. I'll show this to you. So this is 1 John 3, 23. So John says this in verse 22. We receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. This is his commandment. This is his commandment that we must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Hallelujah. So the Bible actually says that we're not underneath the old Jewish law. We're not underneath the old covenant. We're not underneath all of that stuff. That there's a new command, a new covenant. And under that covenant, there's, there's two things. We have to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And then number two, love each other as we love ourselves. Are y'all with me? Okay, let's look at today. I want you to turn to your neighbor first. Can you say this? Can you say, love looks better on you? Check, check. There we go. Let's try this one. Tanner, go ahead and grab me new mics, uh, new batteries in this microphone in case this one goes out. Can you say this? Say it again. Say, love looks better on you. Right? I know as Christians, we... We, we're all uptight and mean and angry with people and a bunch of Karen sometimes. So just one more time, turn to your neighbor and say, love looks better on you. Say, let me help you out, my friend. I've seen you. I, I know you pretty well. And I'm going to tell you, love looks better on you. Amen. Love's the highest focus. Love is the New Testament command. Now today, I want you to turn your Bible. Let's start at Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Let's cover this last point I wanted to talk about last week, and, and we'll go ahead and hit it this morning. First point for this morning is this. When you walk in divine, I'm sorry, when you walk in love, divine love, you fulfill the law. When you walk in divine love, you fulfill the law. Let me show you what this means. That can be really confusing to you. But Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. I'll read it to you. Let's skip down. There's 36. Jesus said, he said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. This is the first and, and e uh, greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I want you to catch verse 40. The entire love, I'm sorry, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. The entire law and all the prophets are based on these two commands. So what was Jesus trying to tell the people? If you read the Bible, there is actually 617 laws and different commandments in the Bible. So as Jews, you know, they got religious. They, they actually tried to have a relationship with the law more than they had a relationship with God. What do I mean by that is that they had all these rules and this list of stuff and there was all these things 
And they spent all their time trying to just do all of this stuff that they completely missed God. Are y'all with me? And so, what Jesus was actually saying was that if you do these two things, if you love God and you love people as you love yourself, by doing that, you will fulfill all of the other things. Amen. So, turn to Romans 13, 8-10. If you don't have it, I'm just going to read you another verse that, that kind of says the same thing. Romans 13, 8-10. It says this, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation. Can you say obligation? obligation. To love one another. Did you know as a Christian we're actually obligated to love one another? It's not optional. Y'all are being awfully quiet this morning. It's not a choice. I read that, and it's so awesome because we're going to cover this in just a moment. As a Christian, loving people is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Can you say commandment? That means it's not optional for us. And we'll kind of talk about this more in just a moment. But he says, verse 36, I'm sorry, no, Romans 8, 13, 8 through 10. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. The reason I feel like this is so important because there's so many Christians wondering, how do I do this? They're trying to figure this out. Right? They're trying to live for God. They're trying to serve God. They're trying to walk on this path that God has for their life. And they can get so confused in this list of different stuff. What am I supposed to do? You know, I listen to this pastor over here and this, and this preacher, and he, he emphasizes this thing. Some over here trying to do this and, and, and checking the things off a list. And then now over here, this person's saying this thing. So now I'm running over here and, and I'm just kind of caught in the middle and I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. Jesus simplified it. He said, if you'll love God and you'll love other people, you don't have to worry about that because in doing that, you'll fulfill all of these other things. Are you with me? So, if we, basically what this is, is when you walk in divine love, you will fulfill the law. Let me prove it to you for a moment. Look at the Ten Commandments. Look at the Ten Commandments. I have them listed here on my page. Number one, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. What did Jesus say the New Testament command was? Number one, love God with all your heart, your mind, your strength. So he's saying if you do that, you won't violate the law. So look how this makes sense. The first command is, you shall have no other gods before me. He said it's really simple. You won't have any other gods before Jesus if you love him with all of your heart. Are you with me? Second command. He said you shall not make idols. If you love God with all of your heart, everything that's within you, you won't put idols above him. Are y'all with me? Look at number three. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. If I love Jesus with everything that's within me, I'm not going to take His name in vain. 
I'm not going to disrespect him. I'm not going to treat him lightly. I'm not going to treat him with content. Look at the next one. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. If you love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, your mind, your strength, you're going to do what he says, right? Because you love him. It's not a book of rules. I mean, it's very simple. You love it's like it's like having a father. When you love your father, you just want to make him proud. Are you guys with me? You love somebody, you love your father, you just want to make him proud. So he says, you obey the Sabbath, keep it holy. You'll do that if you love him. Look at this. Now, look, what was the second commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The second commandment is equally as important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Look what the next commandment in the Ten Commandments is. Honor your father and mother. Guys, and people try to take the, the word of God and try to find loopholes to it, right? And that's where we start getting religious. Is we'll say this, well, God told us to do this, but technically, right, we try to like do a play on words. He said that we're not supposed to do this. So by me kind of stepping over here and still kind of doing it, I'm not really disobeying him because he specifically said this and I'm not specifically doing that. I'm kind of just over here a little bit. That's where we get into religion. That's what the Pharisees started doing. That's where the Pharisees, they obeyed the law without without missing a single beat. And yet Jesus Christ himself was standing right in front of them and they couldn't even recognize him. So Jesus said, look, you're completely missing it. If you love God and you'll love people, let that be your highest goal. And if you do that, you'll fulfill everything else. Honor your father and mother. If I love other people like I love myself, that means my father. Amen. That means my mother. If I'm doing what Christ told me to do, I won't I won't dishonor my father and mother. Are you guys with me? You shall not murder. Look at the next command. If I love other people the way Jesus told me to, I'm not going to kill someone. Pretty profound stuff, right? You shall not commit adultery. If I love other people like how Jesus tells us to love other people, love other people as I love myself. I'm not going to sin against a brother's wife. I'm not going to sin against my brother by violating his wife. Amen. I'm not going to sin against a woman by taking her virtue. I'm not going to I'm not going to sin against another person. I won't commit adultery if I love other people like I love myself. Amen. You shall not steal. I'm not going to steal from you if I love you like Jesus told me to love you. Amen. You guys with me? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You know, you're not going to go around telling lies about people if you love them like you love yourself. Right. You're not going to go around defaming your, your neighbor, defaming that person at work, tell, spreading rumors about those people if you love them like you love yourself. The last one, you shall not covet. You won't covet what other people have if you love them like you love yourself. You know why? You'll be happy that they have it. If you genuinely love people, you're like, man, look, that person, that person's doing so good in life. You won't sit there and be jealous and start slandering them and, and thinking less about them. You'll be so excited. Man, look at my brother being blessed over there. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's amazing. So I'm just giving you these practical examples. You can see how loving God and loving people fulfills everything that the scripture commands us to do. Amen. Amen. So. To just reiterate and simplify this, we can get lost 
When we read this word, and I know Christians do it all the time, we read this word, and we're over here trying to do this thing, and then, oh my gosh, did I, what if I'm missing something? I feel like I'm messing up. I feel like I'm misstepping, but then now we're over here because now this says this. We get so confused. Jesus simplified it and said, just love God and love people. This is your highest focus. And if you do this, you will fulfill everything that I have called you to do in your life. Amen. Are you with me? Here's a really interesting point. So again, Jesus said, I give you this new command. Can y'all say command? Amen. We read last week that Paul said, I, he said, I'm under the law, say law, law, of Christ. We just read in Romans chapter 8. He said, owe nothing to anyone except your obligation. Can you say obligation? Accept your obligation to love one another. So Paul's saying you, you have an obligation. It's not a suggestion. You have an obligation to love other people. What, is, what does obligation mean? It means requirement. That's right. Guys, so this is amazing. As a Christian, we are to give ourselves to loving people just as the Jews gave themselves to the Jewish law. We are to give ourselves to loving God and loving people to the same you know, extent that the Jewish people gave themselves to the law of Moses. Can I ask you guys a question? I hope that I'm not getting too deep here this morning. But let me ask you, was the law of Moses suggestional for the Jewish people? No. Actually, when you read the Bible, right? The woman caught in adultery, the Pharisees were dragging her out to stone her to death. Why? Because they, according to the law, they could have done that. So Jesus was actually preaching to people that lived underneath this law. They had spent their whole lives for generation, 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 understanding what the law meant, understanding what the commandments meant. And then when he said, now I give you a new command, they understood this isn't something I should just consider. This isn't something that I should, you know, think it's just suggestional that I should kind of try to do. They understood I give myself to this wholly and completely. You know, what did it mean for a Jewish person? So let me give you an example. Gentile people were actually allowed to, to join Judaism. But what did they have to do? In order to join Judaism, they actually had to become circumcised, grown men circumcised, and then begin to adhere to the Jewish laws, customs, and traditions. So they couldn't just say, yep, you know, how many, you know, they didn't do Jewish altar calls back in the day saying, how many of you guys want to be a Jew? And then they raised their hand. Yeah, me, me, me. All right. Okay, you're in. You know, no. They actually had to do things. They had to adhere to the law that was required of them. And without doing it, they couldn't even get in. Are you all with me? And so I want you to think about that. To become a Christian, it doesn't just simply say, well, I believe Jesus is the Lord. That's great, but that's only one part of it. To become a Christian means I believe in the name of Jesus Christ and I have absolutely and totally given my life over to loving other people as I love my own self. Amen. 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 What does that mean as Christians? Selfishness has got to go. You, know, you don't see a lot of Christians today really serving one another. We're going to talk about all this. In just a little bit. 
Let's keep moving on. Point number two, I want you to write this down this morning. I'm just giving you some foundation and some facts about this series that we're getting into. Write this down. Gifts without love accomplish nothing. Gifts without love accomplish nothing. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. See, I'm going to give you some insight here because this is the way my mind works. As I'm trying to prove to you from the Scripture the, the necessity, the priority of love for the New Testament believer... And then we're going to get into the good stuff about, okay, now we all see that this is super important and that we all have to give ourselves to this thing. Now, what does it look like to do that? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, I want you to see this. Gifts without love accomplish nothing. What does this mean? You can be the most gifted person in the world. But if you don't have love, the Bible says that you can actually accomplish nothing. And I think that this is really prevalent because we actually live in a time, in a church time, where we promote gifts over promoting love. Look what Paul said. Let me kind of just explain this. Look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. So if you read 1 Corinthians 12, it's literally titled spiritual gifts. Can you say gifts? Gifts. So Paul talks about the gifts... You know, he talks about the Holy Spirit and how when you get saved and you get filled with the Spirit, God gives you a gift. God will use you. He'll work through you. He'll bless people through you. You know, the Bible actually says that your gift will make a way for you. What does that mean? That God's hand comes upon your life in a special way and you are able to do certain things that maybe other people aren't able to do. You're able to contribute to things in ways that nobody else can. God has a specific place for you and a calling for you. And the Holy Spirit wants to use you in a very specific way. That's what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he goes on talking about the gifts. You know, he talks about prophesying. He talks about uh, having a gift of faith and being able to do miracles and all of these things. But look what he says in chapter 13. If I could speak in all the languages of the earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. This is so interesting to me. Read what he says next. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. Let me ask you this. What is Paul talking about? Tongues is a gift. Amen. Prophecy is a gift. Faith, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is a gift. Are you guys with me? So look what he says. I, he says, I could speak. He's like, not only if I had the gift of tongues, but if I had like the gift of tongues to the ultimate ability, if I was the Tom Brady of speaking in tongues, if I was the goat, the Michael Jordan of prophesying, right? If I was the greatest there ever was and I had faith that could move mountains, but I didn't love other people, I have, will have gained absolutely nothing. I would be nothing. Look what it says in, in, in verse 1 here. I could speak all of the languages of the earth, but if I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging 
symbol. What does this mean? You can be the most gifted, talented, anointed person on planet Earth, but if you don't love people and you go to try and talk to people, all they're going to hear every time you open your mouth is... Like a monkey, right? One of those little monkey things that you twist up and it just sits there clashing the symbols together. Amen. 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 Gifts without love accomplish nothing. Look what he says in the next verse. He says, if I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained absolutely nothing. Isn't that crazy? Think about what God's saying here. He's saying, man, you could take 10% of your income and you could tithe it, and in fact, you could get a wild hair and say, I'm not going to give 10% of my income, I'm going to give 90% of my income. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to sell my house and I'm going to give everything that I have away. You know what? And Paul said, that's great. But if you don't love people, the only thing that you're going to gain from it is being able to go around and brag about how spiritual you are to everybody else. And you will accomplish nothing and you'll gain nothing from doing it. Say love. I want you to get this this morning. Get love right and the gifts will follow. Get love right and everything else in your life will follow. Amen. 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 Also this, you could write this down. Your gift doesn't excuse you from love. That's right. There's people that they're gifted, they're anointed, they're, you know, they're powerful, all of these amazing, wonderful things, and they, we start thinking we're, we're something. Amen? Man, I'm really something. I'm really good at what I do. I, you fill in the blank. Your gift doesn't excuse you from loving other people. Make it your highest priority. Are y'all with me? So let's go ahead and get into this then. So we're talking about love. Jesus said it was the most important thing. The Bible says it should be our highest focus. The Bible says that you could be gifted to, to all to, to no end, but if you don't love, have love, you can do nothing. So we see that loving people is absolutely important, 100%. So let's get into this this morning then. What does the Bible mean when it says love? This is something that's challenging me, and we're going to get into this in the next couple of weeks. But guys, we're not called to love each other. We're not called to, like, I'm not called to love people John's way. Have you ever heard that? Well, this is just my way of showing love. This is just my way of communicating. This is just my way of expressing it. We, we're not called to do that. We're actually called to love people like Jesus loves people. Whenever I read the scripture that we're going to go over, it just rocked me to the core because I started thinking, how does Jesus love people? Right? What is that? What did it look like when Jesus loved people? What did it look like? What did Jesus do? And then I began to look at myself and compare and say, man, I, I thought I was loving people, but I was never loving people the biblical way. I was loving people John's way. Are you with me? So let's kind of talk about what is love. Write this down this morning. Love is an action. It's not just a feeling. Can you say action? action? Love is not just a phrase that you get on a Valentine Day card that you give to your wife that says I love you. The Bible actually says love 
is an action. It's not just an emotion or a feeling. Right. Now let me say this. You can feel love. You can feel love for somebody. But we, com- we think that love is just a feeling. You know why I know that? Because if you look at statistically, why, you know, people get divorces left and right. We live in a time where the divorce rate is higher than it's ever been before. If you looked at the divorce rate, like in the 1940s, the 1950s, and you look at the divorce rate, 2010 to 2020, it's crazy. What is the statistic? Like 70% of marriages ended end in, in divorce. Why is that? Because people think that love is a feeling and it's not an action. Right? Why do people end up having affairs? Why does, a, why does a man have an affair? You start talking and counseling. They say, well, you know, we just, don't, we just don't love each other anymore. Well, you're right. But what you're saying is, at some point, I just stopped feeling the feeling. Can I tell you? The feeling is great and it's wonderful and God gave us emotions, but the feeling at the end of the day is not the thing that matters. It's the commitment and it's the action that you decide to take. So loving, even loving your spouse, it's not just this butterflies and a we're 19 feeling. It's actually a decision that you make that is followed through with, with action. Continual action. Can you say action? So love is an action, not just a feeling. Look what John says in 1 John 3.18. Because guys, I'm telling y'all, we as Christians, we're good at this. 1 John 3.18, it says this. My dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Are we the best at that? No, No, I'm saying, aren't we the best at just saying we love each other? Right? (laughs) Like not, right? Our brother, our sister, somebody comes and they're just pouring their heart out. And what do we do? Oh, you know what? I'll pray. I'll keep you in prayer. You know that. <laughs> and most of the time, Christians don't even do that. They're like, you're not praying. Come on now. What I, I'll keep you in a three second thought that I had in my mind for two seconds today. You know, I'll keep you in prayer. He says, don't just merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Yeah. So that's what John was saying to the church. I'm, I guarantee you, as an old man, he was looking around. He was saying, guys, you're all saying the right thing, but you're not doing the right thing. You're all saying that you love each other, and that's great. But if we looked at action, are we actually doing things that prove what we say? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. So say love is an action. So love is an action. So let's think about this. When Jesus gave us the commandment, love the Lord your God, He was not just saying, be a person that says, I love you, Lord. He was saying, love, actually have actions in your life that show that you love the Lord your God. Say action. When Jesus talked about love, he was talking about action. And I'm telling you this, I've been guilty of it, but we're so, it's so easy for us to get to this place where all that love is is just a phrase that we say. It's just feelings. 
When Jesus said, love the Lord, he was talking about action. When Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, he wasn't just talking about, hey, bro, I'll pray for you. Hey, bro, I'm really sorry you're going through that. That's great to talk to one another. But he was talking about action. Are you with me? Say, show it. So love is an action, not just a feeling. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13 one more time. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is really good. Look down at verse 4. Jesus told us to love. We just covered that extensively the last two weeks. And then I love the Bible because it actually answers. You can ask the question, okay, he said to love. So what is love? The Bible tells us what love is. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. We just said love is action. So what does that action actually look like? It looks like being patient with someone. Hey, I love you. But then the second someone, you just snap, you just bite their head off all the time. You're just irritable all the time. Hard to be. Love is patient. Say patient. patient. Look at this. Love is kind. Love one another as you love yourself. You could replace the word love with Jesus commanded us to be patient with one another. Can you say amen? You could replace that word love. Jesus commanded us, get this guys, to be kind to one another. Wow, that's crazy. Some of the, has anybody ever, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe, maybe we've all been that person at one point. Like Christians are sometimes some of the most unkind people you'll ever meet in your life. You see somebody that's just kind and nice and like loving, and they, oh, that's just not my personality. It's a commandment. Be kind to one another. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be kind to you. Kind to you. And, and your neighbor, look back and say, you, I'm going to be kind to you. Love is being patient. Love is kind. Look at this. Love is not jealous, boastful, or proud. What does it mean to love? It means not being jealous. We just talked about Jesus said, if you love one another, you'll fulfill all the law by doing this. The law says don't covet. Love is not being jealous, boastful, or proud. So what does it mean to love people? Not being boastful, not being proud, not being arrogant. Look at this, guys. Love is, and it says don't be rude. Say rude. rude. What does it mean to love people? It means not being rude to people. Yeah. Are you all with me? Because yeah. we're good at just, right. oh, I love you. As a Christian, we're the first ones to raise our hand and say, I love people. You know what? Let me just tell you how much I love the Lord and how much I love people. Jesus Jesus said, that's great that you say that, but let your actions, don't be rude to people then. Y'all with me? Yeah. 
It says it's not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Which, which uh, fast food restaurant is it? You can have it your way. Is it Burger King? Here's a good one. You can tweet this. Christianity is not Burger King. All right? You, you just can't have it your way all the time. Right. Hey, think about this. How often, do we, how often do you see churches split? How often do you see people just get divided and then they hate one another? They don't talk to one another? Why? Because I demand my own way and you demand your own way and my feelings matter. Your feelings don't matter because I am just absolutely right in everything that I think and everything that I say. But that's not actually walking in love. Love is actually considering how the other person thinks and how the other person feels. Yeah. Love is having this revelation just as passionate as you are about something. That person is equally as passionate about what they think. Right? So what, is, what does love mean? It's not just demand. It's coming to this understanding and then actually looking at that person and saying, you know what, brother? You know what, sister? The way that you feel, I'm actually going to hold it at the same level of importance as my own feelings. Are you all with me? I'll tell you, I had to do that. You know, I had a church member one time. The craziest things you get to do as a pastor. And it's okay. She wouldn't mind because I've been vocal about it. But I had a church member. Her chicken died. Right? She was really upset about this chicken that passed away. And she wouldn't mind me telling the story because I always give her a hard time about it. But her chicken died. She called me one day and said, Pastor John, my chicken, he's stuck underneath my porch. I need you to come get that chicken out. I need you to come take it out here for me and just put it down, you know, and, 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 and bury it. And in my mind, I was like, a, a chicken? You're talking about a chicken, right? It's like, why don't you just get that thing and go, you know, go put it in the woods somewhere. And the next day, it won't be there. I promise you, in East Texas, that chicken will be gone. Some of y'all are looking at me like, you animal hater. It's not true, but anyways, something that just didn't seem so important and significant to me to that person it was extremely important and significant so that is this doesn't really make sense to me but i'm going to do what you're asking because i love you and if it's important to you then it's important to me Amen? amen can i tell you that god thinks the same way there's so many times that we think miss kim has testimonies all the time she's like oh yeah i laid my hands on my refrigerator and that sucker just started working again it's awesome but right, as Christians, we just religiousize everything. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. Religiousize everything. And we just think, you know, the God's some distant, big alien that's just out to squash everybody. Guys, can I tell you, if it's important to you, it matters to God. Amen. You know, Jesus actually said, come, cast your cares upon me. Yeah, if you had a bad day at work, you don't have to get religious and just, oh, you know what, I'm just going to pretend. Like, it's okay. Jesus cares. You're like, Jesus, I'm really hurting with something right now. I'm really struggling. Jesus, I actually don't understand what you're doing right now. You know, Lord, it seems like all this stuff's going on and I just don't understand. He doesn't slap you across the face and say, who do you think you are? If it matters to you, it matters to God. Because he's not a hypocrite, and this is what he told us to do. God doesn't tell us to do one thing and do another. Are y'all with me? Amen. So look, you could even say, you know, the Bible says in 1 John, God is love. So you could say God is patient. God is kind. 
He doesn't just get jealous or boastful or proud or rude. He doesn't always demand his own way. Isn't that crazy? God actually lets people choose. Think about that. That might blow some theology out of the, out of the river here. But, you know, God made Adam and he made Eve. And I always thought, Lord, why did you let her eat the apple? Because he doesn't demand his own way. Because if you force somebody to do something, it's not love. God was never after having a bunch of minions and a bunch of robots. He created men and women to be His children and to live in fellowship with Him. And if people didn't have a choice, then it would be fake. It would be, it, it would be robotic. God gives people a choice. He doesn't demand His own way. Y'all with me? Look, love is not irritable. Say, it's not irritable. Some of y'all, I'm telling you, some of you guys, it's like somebody can fart and you're irritated at them. Yeah. Anybody ever known someone like that? Yeah. You're just like sitting at the table and you look across the table like, you're breathing too hard. Stop breathing like that. <laughs> you have blinked seven times in the last minute and it's just really like on, you're getting on my last nerve. <laughs> Loving people is not being irritable. Now I need to repent, Lord, because the way my daughter drinks her bottle drives me crazy sometimes. <laughs> Seriously, my brother-in-law, Ian, we're there this week and like, she just picks that bottle up and she's like, <laughs> you know, has this bottle in it. Not the baby, Emberly. Y'all are like, golly, you're being hard. She's like an infant. No, my three-year-old. All right, Lord, I won't be irritable anymore. Look at this, guys. Love keeps no record of being wronged. So when Jesus said love one another, He wasn't just talking about, you know, just say that you, oh, it's the Christian, I'll pray for you, I love you. No, that means forgiving people and not only forgiving, but keeping no record of their wrong against you. Most Christians don't forgive, and if they do forgive, they'll say, I forgive, but I won't forget. Love keeps no record of being wrong. Yes. Love gives itself every time, all the time, without limits. Are you with me? Yes, sir. This is, is practical. If you want to know, he said love each other as you love yourself. This is how you do it. Love is. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Hallelujah. Look at this. Love Never gives up. What does it mean to love each other? Never give up on one another. Never look at another person and say they're too far gone. Man, that person's just sinned so much. You know what? I think I'm, I'm done with them and I think God's done with them too. You've gone too far. Love never gives up. Love is always hopeful. What does it mean to love one another? Even if that person dies and never receives Christ, you're going to spend your life continuing to hope, continuing to believe for their salvation, never giving up on them. You may have friends, you may have family members, guys, they've done you wrong. You know, they've taken advantage of things. They've taken things from you. You've offered them a hand up and it's like they just used it and abused it. Can I tell you, love keeps no record of wrong. It's always hopeful and it never gives up. Keep showing those people the love of Jesus without limits. Are you with me? Love endures through every circumstance. Can you say every circumstance? Every circumstance. 
You know what it really means to be a church? To love one another? It means we're together no matter what. You go through a season of being wacky. It doesn't mean everybody starts judging you. Everybody writes you off. Everybody's done with you. Because now, you know what? You step back into some things you shouldn't have stepped. Love endures through every single circumstance. To truly love people the way that God tells us to love people means that, hey brother, we're walking together through the thick, through the thin, through the good, through the bad, richer, poor, sickness and health, till death do us part. Amen. That type of commitment, we don't do that. Well, you just really offended me. So, you know, we have a, a whiteboard. We go into our little weird closet with all the pictures hanging out and we write their name. I'm, I'm writing this person off. I'm done with this person. You're like, that sounds crazy. Yeah, but you do it in your head. Are y'all with me? When the Bible says love, it's not just a feeling. It's actually an action. Let me give you this last verse this morning. Love is expressed. I'm just going to prove it one more point. Love is expressed in action. Look at 1 John 3, 16-19. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and for our sisters. We're going to get to this next week. We're going to talk about what it means to love like Jesus loves and what it means to love like you love yourself. It's going to be great. Don't miss next week. But just I'll give you a little uh, foretaste of this. Okay. Jesus gave up his life because this is real love. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Guys, can you imagine loving somebody to the point where you would literally, I'm not just saying say it, lay your entire life down. For that person. I get that we do that for our children. I think every parent in this room would say, hey, if my child, if somebody held a gun to my child's head and said, it's either you or the child, you'd grab that gun and put it to your head and say, me without a doubt. But we're not just called to love our children that way. We're actually called to love one another that way. Can you imagine loving people saying, like, even think about resource-wise. Loving people to the point where you say, Lord, everything that you give to me doesn't even belong to me. There's no limit. There's no reach that's too far. There's nothing I won't do for my brother or my sister. There's no link that I won't go to to love them, to help them, to, to pull them out of the situation that they're in. Even to the point, right? Because we all have a, we all have a limit, right, in our minds. Okay, I'll help, but I have a line. And let me tell you, you're about to cross it. And once you cross it, I'm done. That's how we are as Christians. But actually, John said, loving to the point where you, even to the point of laying your own life down. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't have lines. Right? Here's the line in the sand. And y'all are really about, I'm going to tell you because I guarantee you, the minute they shoved a bag over his head and began to slap him and say, prophesy, you know, for me, sometimes I'm, I would have all right, that's the line. I'm done. Flow back into heaven. Lord, we're starting over. Let's just nuke this place and let's just start over. Jesus had no line. 
Not only did he get slapped around and mocked and ridiculed and stripped naked and beaten and a crown of thorns shoved on his head. I mean, he allowed these people to nail him to a cross. Even at the end of it, he wasn't cursing them. These bleepity bleeping people, I can't believe. I just came and healed their sick for three years and did miracles. He literally cries out and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're even doing. I mean... We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. Just like He did that, we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Look what He says. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Guys, you know, I'm just getting real practical. You know what it like practically looks like to lay your life down? You're like, Lord, I'm living well. I got some money. And then you see your brother and sister over here that are just getting started out. And hey, they may need help with a bill. They need, need some groceries. They may need some, well, it's literally the point where you say, Lord, I have more and plenty than enough. There's no way that I can do what you told me to do and actually love people and look at that person and say, oh, I'll keep you in prayer, brother, and turn and go the other way. He says, if you do that, the love of God's not even in you. Like You may love, but you're not loving God's way. You're loving your way. How can God's love be in that person? Dear children, this is where he said it. We just quoted it. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Right? Because let's put our actions where our mouth is. That's what, that's what I guarantee you John probably saw somebody do this in the church. He probably heard them all say, hey, we love one another. We love the Lord. We love the church. We love people. And then he saw some of them suffering amongst themselves. And he said, hey guys, you say that you love each other, but look, look at this. And he put his finger on it. And then he says, let's not just say we love each other. Let's actually prove that we do by our actions. Our actions. Say our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Did you know that Jesus actually taught the same thing? You will be proved by what you do, not just what you say. Guys, I'm telling you, we don't need any more Christians in the world that say one thing and do another thing. What what you say doesn't actually prove anything. It's what you do. Your actions prove what you really believe. Your actions prove where your heart really is. Your actions prove what's inside of you. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Are you with me? Say action. Action. Love is expressed in action. Conclusion. As a Christian, I am to love God expressed in action. As a Christian, I am to love other people expressed in action. Let me ask you this question. What could you do this week to show love to a brother, a sister, a family member, or a friend? I'm giving you some real practical application. Again, let's not just hear this and say amen. What could you do this week to show love in action to a brother, sister, family member, or friend? What could you do this week? Go out of your way. This is God's highest priority for our lives. Amen? 
I told y'all, God, God has a calling for you. Well, maybe you're a plumber. Maybe you're an electrician. Maybe you're a doctor. That's all great and wonderful. But even before that, he wants you to love people the way that he teaches us to love people. God would rather you be a Christian that actually loves people and be in the wrong occupation than be in the right occupation and be a Christian that, re- that denies people and denies God. Are y'all with me? Yeah. I want to pray. And I'm going to close with this, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit how you can apply this in your life. Can we do that together? Let's just join in prayer together. I'm going to dismiss you. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now. We know that you live on the inside of us, that you'll lead us and guide us and speak to us. We ask you how to show us how we can apply this in our own lives. Show us a person that's in need that needs our help. Lead us to somebody today that's in our neighborhood, somebody we work with, maybe it's even somebody in this church that needs your touch, that needs help, that doesn't just need a prayer partner, that needs somebody to physically reach down and whatever that looks like and help them up and show them the love of God. Lord, I ask that you would reveal an assignment to each and every one of us. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org slash donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.